You hear the words, don't you? It's it's not just a song. It's a, it's a movement. Stand and Deliver. Welcome to episode number 12 of Stand and Deliver. I'm Bob France, the National Communications Director for Citizens for Free Speech, along with... And I'm Patrick Wood, the Director and Founder of Citizens for Free Speech. We're here for another 30-minute broadcast. This is going to be great. There's so much really cool news uh, going on that we're concerned about it, concerned CFFS. Go ahead, Bob. Start it out. Well, I'll tell you what, Patrick Wood, uh, it's a great day to be a free-breathing American. It's a great week to be breathing free air, even if you happen to be on a train or a public bus or, yes, in an airport or on a flight. Everybody is allowed to breathe free now. Now, I'm not certain... (laughs) <laughs> well, it's Love backwards, it. I guess. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I see it, though. Worn by force. Worn by force, not by, not fear. by fear. Amen. <laughs> if you had to wear them, that's a great message to send. But, Pat, now you don't have to wear them, again, in any public transit. I don't know if the judge in Florida, the circuit judge uh, who ordered uh, an end to the federal transit mask mandate, I don't know if she was actually standing when she delivered, but she was delivering. I can tell you that. She wrote what we all knew, that this mask mandate for public transit for everybody was unlawful and unconstitutional. It was put in into effect by the CDC without proper authority. Uh, and Joe Biden, of course, signed it into, uh, into law, or not into law, but issued the executive order, rather, yeah. uh, on literally day two, the day after he was inaugurated. Now, it took a long time for this to get here. But, Pat, this is a victory. The The mandate has been lifted. You can get set to go on your tour now, your speaking tour, without have to wor- having to worry about wearing your worn-by-force, not-by-fear mask. This is a great day for America. It is, and I tell you, the, the feeling of happiness when I saw that ruling come across three days before I was supposed to take off, <laughs> no less on, America, on United Airlines, which has been one of the worst historically. I was just like, man, I was on a cloud. I mean, forget the airplane. I'm just going to float to Florida. <laughs> and I almost well, and you know, out. you were worried about that for so. I know you were worried about that for so. You have not flown since the start of the pandemic, and those those orders went in went in, right? You have this, not. Flown. That's right. This was a self imposed uh, cost that I took on myself because I refused to wear a face mask and play the role that they wanted us to play. And so I have not worn a face mask one single time since this whole thing started. This is my protest. And, I, you know, I had to put my kind of my money where my mouth is, so to speak. But it cost me. And flying was one of those things that cost. But we've been on this, Bob, from day one. When the first face mask thing came in, we said this is a violation of free speech in the First Amendment for a number of reasons. The biggest reason is that because your speech is limited when you have a face mask on, not only can you not speak clearly and correctly, but the people cannot hear you that, that want, may want to hear you. If you're saying something intelligent and people want to hear it, it can't do it. Other issues come into play, like 40% of uh, America is hearing impaired to some extent. And that mm-hmm. means intuitively uh, people that are hard of hearing, slightly hard of hearing, mm-hmm. even if they have hearing aids, they will watch somebody else's lips to confirm the words that their mind thinks is being spoken. This is a, a almost a subconscious thing with most people. It's not really like reading lips from 50 yards away. It's not that. But uh, the, the movement of your mouth is very important for people to understand what you are saying. And well, of and course, not just for the hearing impaired, Patrick, that, because as, as you know, so much of speech is nonverbal. 
Yes. Um, it's facial expressions, not being able to see pursed lips to tell that somebody might be a little bit agitated, not being able to see a smile to say, boy, people are really appreciating what I'm saying right now, yes. or the frown or, or whatever. Nonverbal facial expressions have been taken away, and that's a huge part of communication. It is. And, you know, that coupled with social distancing, uh, with the ability to, or the non-ability to gather together and so on. This was just a crushing blow against the First Amendment. We recognize this on day one, I'm telling you. I, I remember just my heart was leaping that uh, that this was, the battle was on. And we have stood against this resolutely. It's not just about a health issue with us. You know, your health is your problem. You can do what you want. If you want to wear a mask, don't wear it. You know, don't wear it. We don't care. But nobody should be forcing you to do that. And the same thing with, you know, taking vaccines and everything else. Mandated anything is bad in our point, from our point of view. Otherwise, you can do whatever you want to do with your body. It's your body. It's, uh, you know, God gave it to you. You can do whatever you want to do with it. Hopefully you do some good things, but that's your problem. So, well, we have been after this from day one <clears throat> to try and, you know, just crush this whole thing. It has naturally kind of been crushed over a period of time, but now this mask, uh, this this new court ruling down in Florida, this has really blown the lid off of it. People are cheering in the aisles of the aircraft today. This is so cool. I mean, everybody broke out in just wild applause and laughter and yeah. Did you see the one flight attendant singing a song going down the aisle telling people to put their masks in this blue bag? <laughs> yes. There's a jet flu. The guy was singing and just having a great time. And um, it is. And, you know, here's the here's the thing, Patrick, because um, you're right. It's it's not been about health to us because from the scientific standpoint, those surgical masks said right on the box does not prevent the spread yes. of coronavirus. Um, the CDC admitted the cloth masks do not stop the spread of coronavirus or virtually any other particle. They're useless. So they were put on not for scientific reasons, but for show. So our point wasn't about medical conditions, although if you felt psychosomatically that wearing a cloth on your face was going to make you feel healthier, we said do it. All we said was freedom has to reign. You have the choice as to mm -hmm. whether or not you want to wear one, thinking it may make you healthy, even if it doesn't. If that's how you feel, go for it. We won't accost you. We won't tell you, rip that thing off your face. But what did happen, Patrick, is the people who demanded that everybody else wear them, they accosted the non-mask wearers. How dare you? Why are you putting my health in jeopardy? Why are you putting my children... <clears throat> My, my grandparents' health in jeopardy by not wearing a mask. You should wear that mask to make me feel safer. That is where we have a problem. Yes. The First Amendment allows us to make our own minds up. And, Patrick, you, you talked about speech being muffled. You talked about people not being able to hear. We, we have said since the beginning of, uh, of this pandemic at Citizens for Free Speech that all five tenets of uh, the First Amendment were being, were being trampled upon mm -hmm. by these mandates from religion to speech, to press, to freedom of assembly, to uh, uh, petitioning the government for redress of grievances. They were all being trampled by these mandates, and we expressed very clearly how and why. We distributed pamphlets on this, tens of thousands of them, about why masking was should not be required, should not be mandated, why it was unsafe for people in certain conditions and with certain health conditions. And, you know, for so long, it was just ignored. And I guess what they say is true. Any... Any accomplishment that is worth anything is worth a long fight to make it happen. And guess what? Our long fight finally 
ended in victory. Yes. Um, and we'll see if the if the Biden administration and their Department of Justice wants to use the CDC and go back and double down on the flawed science and appeal this ruling by the judge. But for now, it's a victory and we should all be celebrating uh, the, the fact that we're allowed to breathe freely again. That, that's right. And this, you know, in spite of this, this temporary good news, I should say, the battle for free speech is not over by a long shot. This, the battle is still <laughs> raging. We've got so many issues just hitting us every day. It's hard to pick, you know, what are, what are we going to, what are we going to do next? I, I guess to restore free speech. We have been big. However, I want to say this. We've got national free speech issues like wearing face masks. We have local free speech issues like people getting into the local communities and talking it up, mixing it up with board members, mixing it up with the city council, getting into the stream of things where policies and decisions are made in the local communities. Mm -hmm. This is the most important aspect of free speech that we can possibly have in our country. It's the greatest impact as well. When you do things in your own local community, to uh, to clean up your house there and and build kind of build that firewall around your city so these things don't come in and just crush you again so they're caught by surprise again so we got the local things we got the national things and there's a balance between the two we really focus big time at CFFS on helping people be trained get encouraged get equipped and so on to do the local battle and exercise their free speech rights right where they live. But this is no thanks to what's happening on a national level <laughs> ever. It's like they just keep leveling the guns at us. And, you know, free speech is such a big issue. It's such a personal issue. It's such a minute local issue as well. Gosh, it just covers all the spectrum. I, every time I think about this, I think it's like, it's like having a giant blanket laid over the entire country. And, and it, 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 it causes everybody to overheat over time. <laughs> Patrick, I, I, I want to talk about who they is or are when you say they have been doing this yes. for, to us for so long. For a lot, of, a lot of times, we say that just meaning whatever the power is or wherever the power lies, this is what yeah. they are doing to us. But yeah. right now, on your other website, not citizensforfreespeech.org, which is where we want people to go to join CFFS, but on technocracy.news, you have a very important article that's posted there about who they really is when it comes to um, essentially hurting the sheep along yes. in the general mm -hmm. public by way of mass media. Um, can you tell us more about that? This is enormously important. <clears throat> I can. And let me set the groundwork for this by saying that we have talked a lot about propaganda in the last several months. We even have a brochure that's available in the dot .store uh, part of Citizens for Free Speech and um, you can everybody should have some copies of this in their hand whenever they're out and about walking around where you can just whoop this out hand to somebody and say, hey, you need to you need to understand what propaganda is, because it's what you're hearing often from the news is not what you think it is. You, you of course, you get an opinion on it. But what the story reveals today is just absolutely shocking. And here's the headline of the story. I'll just I'll just read it. You'll see immediately how it re relates to free speech and the First Amendment. Six media giants control 90% of what you read, watch, and hear. Six media giants, catch this, control 90% of what you read, watch, and hear. There are now, this great consolidation has taken place in the last 25, 30 years where all of the other competitors have been gobbled up or run out of business altogether. Now we're left with six companies that 
control almost everything in the country that you see in here. It's a couple of the videos that are that are inserted into this post are really interesting because they've taken video clips of newscasts where the people were saying exactly the same thing, and they synchronized the voices and the videos so that they could all play in unison together, and they're all just like a Swiss watch ticking away one, you know, just one mechanism going. Everybody is saying the same exact thing, meaning the script came down from on high. There was no local news director. There was no local writers or anything. They were they were piping this propaganda down from the top. And moreover, these six entities that control everything have about a 30% overlap in their board of directors. This is huge. I've studied this for this kind of thing, these interlocks, corporate interlocks, for over 40 years, and this is a huge story. 30%. When you say overlap, when you say overlap, do you mean people who are running one company are running or on the boards of the other companies? That's exactly or right. Leading one and going That's to exactly another? right. One person can sit on multiple boards, board okay. of directors. And at first, somebody said, well, what does that matter? Well, it matters a lot because you have cross-pollinization going on. And haven't we experienced this anyway? I mean, people have written about this, you know, saying that, you know, all these major media things, basically, they come up with the same stories at the same time. How the heck do they do that? You know, how is there like a, te- a private uh, a telegraph that goes around and tells everybody, okay, this is what we're going to talk about today? Well, it, as a matter of fact, these interlocks have, have been there for some time, and it just shows you how this whole well, uh, cartel works. And good the word. thing... And the, the people should read this story. I mean, it's just an incredible story. Uh, and look at the names. Get the names of these organizations, and find you know you just you'll find out pretty quick what it what it is. This is why alternative media is in such jeopardy today. And we know this is part of the First Amendment. We've been after this. Alternative media has been under intense attack, especially just via censorship and the cancel culture. But censorship being driven off of social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and uh, some of the others, I won't mention the rest of them, but YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. This type of censorship of alternative media does not happen to these six giants that control 90% of all news and broadcasts, right? Nothing happens to them. They never get censored. Or say never well, say no, anything. That's because it. they're the ones doing the censoring of the alternative or non traditional, you know, uh, legacy media. That's exactly I, right. I wanna, so I want to dig a little into this, Pat, if I can, because what you're saying, people need to focus on. <clears throat> Sometimes we'll, you know, particularly those of us who are more conservative minded, and this is not exclusive to conservative minded, but for those of us who are, we'll watch a story on MSNBC and then see the exact same slant on the same story taken on CNN. We'll see the exact same slant on the same story taken on NBC News tonight. We'll see the same thing on the ABC primetime channel uh, and the same thing on CBS. And and we'll say, wow, um, boy, there really is a similarity. It must be a great coincidence of thought. But it's it's a similar slant. Then we'll go to the non-traditional, non-legacy media, and we'll say, huh, you see the same thing on Twitter. Everywhere, all of the uh, blue check marks are saying the same thing, or at least similar things. Boy, that's coincidental, too. And then you'll see the same thing on Facebook, and we'll see the same thing on, 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 uh, on YouTube as you're talking about. And then you've got to stop at some point and say, is it really a coincidence, or is it collusion? Is it 
conspiracy, but not the kind that's that's far out there that, you know, that discredits. Because it's not conspiracy when it's true, when there are a host of mainstream and alternative media uh, giants who are not just, wow, look at that. We agree with you and you agree with us. Isn't that fortuitous? No, 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 no. When you start to see what you're talking about, Patrick, in that article, in the videos contained in that article, where it's not just similar thought, it's not just we take the same view, we have the same slant, it's literal scripting word for word. Now you know this isn't just coincidence, it isn't just fortuitous, it isn't just happenstance. There are scripts being delivered and there are ideas being pushed, and and as you say, if anybody challenges those, you're booted from YouTube. Your account closed. We know about Twitter. We know about Facebook. But YouTube as well. Google, Apple will kick you off of their platforms. Yeah. All of these things are happening. And, and people call us right-wing extremist conspiracy nuts. We're not right-wing, nor are we conspiracy nuts. We are simply watching. And when you watch the video that Patrick's talking about right now, uh, if you go to technocracy.news, maybe right when you're done listening to this uh, this podcast to stand and deliver, you'll see exactly what we mean when the when the when the um, scripts are read literally. Not only in the same words, Patrick, but the same tone, the same uh, variation, the same length of pauses to yes. the point where, as you said, it's yes. like a Swiss Swiss watch. All of them in unison, and you couldn't as if they were yes. trying to do that. And let me say um, let me say something. So about this is extraordinarily important for people it, to get. It's co- coordinated yes. and colluded. It's not <laughs> it's not. Coincidental. And, and let me say something about video, about broadcasting news. When the teleprompter <clears throat> appears, and they all use teleprompters, that's standard. Nobody nobody wings it anymore in the news except for uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> he, he wings it and puts his foot in his mouth sometimes. But, um, but all the media uses teleprompters to read the script that's been given them to read. And by and large, the, the people doing the narrating do not write the script, okay, ever. I mean, they just take it as it is. But all scripts have a markup on them about which, about where the inflection should be and how, you know, how w- certain words should be emphasized. You listen to any newscast just today, go listen to one, just one, then turn your TV off. You'll see exactly what I mean. There's the, there's the, e- the ebb and the flow of the tone of voice and so on and and certain words will go up and be emphasized and down. That's because somebody has put the manual markups on the script so that when they see that as the thing is scrolling up, they can say, censorship, <laughs> like that. And this is, this is an art form. This is what they learned in broadcast sure. school is how to, how to take just a script they've never seen before, put the inflection marks in it, read it, and it sounds like they're Walter Cronkite from, you know, 50 yep. years ago, right? And, and, to, and to be clear, not on every story. Um, I've worked in enough television newsrooms <clears throat> um, to know. Uh, I've seen anchors writing yes. some of their scripts. I've seen producers writing scripts to give to the anchors, and then they'll toss it back and forth. No, I like this. No, I don't like that. And so on and so forth. When you're talking about local stories, when they're doing the local sports, nobody is handing that down from on high. They are writing their own scripts in those situations. But when it comes to the biggest issues, the national issues with national implications, yeah. international implications, dare I say global or globalist implications, those are the ones yes. that you're talking about, Patrick, where those scripts are absolutely faxed, sent, digitized, whatever, to yes. the, every newsroom across right. the country that is involved with one of the six giants right. uh, that, you, that, you, that you led with. And let me roll out just a little bit more about those six giants. There's, not, there's another aspect just besides the, the directorships. 
there's also uh, the, the issue of what companies have invested in their stock and the stock of these giant companies, because they're all public companies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in almost every case, you have the, the giant hedge fund companies like investment funds like BlackRock and State Street. They own inordinate amounts of stock in these companies. They're partially the ones who were able to set directors into these companies, I might add, because of the, the large position of stock they own. The other thing is there's a there's quite a large percentage of people in this whole these six companies that belong to um, one organization here in America has been very anti-American called the Council on Foreign Relations. Furthermore, there's a number of people within uh, this media complex that are also members of the uh, global elite organization, the Trilateral Commission, which I've studied for years and years. And I just bring it up here to point out that these people have not gone away since 1973. They're still just as active in media today as they were back then, and they're controlling the narrative. This is a global elite narrative that's being put down. And it's interesting to see the overlap with membership on these boards where these other organizations like the Atlanta Council, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission also have their influence on this. And it's not just it's not just these six companies. The co- Twitter has a board of directors. It's a public company, right? We talked about Twitter and how Elon Musk have is going to for now. Is for go now. And, we'll yeah, see. For now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Guess what? One of the uh, directors on the board of Twitter I'm looking at it right now is a man by the name of Robert Zalek who happens to be a member of the Trilateral Commission. So they have an influence there right now. And, of course, there's a couple of big investment funds uh, representative there, too, that are kind of tied to that whole crowd. But, um, you know, everywhere you look today, you in the, in the halls of power where stuff is happening, like the six-company cartel or consortium, you see these same people showing up, and you know this. This is the same crowd that does the Great Reset from the World Economic Forum. This is not American. This is not America's future that we have ever voted for, that we ever wanted. But this globalist influence is bringing it to us. They're weaponizing our own institutions against us as a people. This is probably one of the most egregious avenues of attack on the first amendment that we've ever seen in the history of our nation it's there's no question it's why we exist and and i'll tell you this um we have a reason to feel good right now though yes all of these attacks because we are seeing some successes in fact before i before i do that talk about the successes patrick you know you know i like to do this every year Every episode of uh, Stand and Deliver that we do, we want to remind you how you can join Citizens for Free Speech. The easiest way is right there. And I don't know if that's backwards for you or not. No, that's right. Text CFFS to 313131. We could also tell you to go directly to the website, citizensforfreespeech.org. But just to make it easy, text CFFS to 313131 so that you can join our cause. And Patrick, we're winning. We're winning battles. Now, we haven't won the war, and I don't think the war will ever be won. But, however, as long as we're willing to fight it, it will never be lost. That's right. I think there will always be somebody that wants to attack freedom and liberty, those who believe in, you know, socialist, communist tendencies and and, uh, suppression. But for now, we're seeing victories. And I just want to hit a couple of them real quick. A couple of months ago, in one of the early uh, episodes, rather, 
so I guess it would be a couple of months ago as we're on episode 12 now, uh, we talked about the gentleman down in Alabama who had a license plate with a message. It was a political message, and it wasn't. there was no profanity in it. It just had the abbreviation L, uh, LGB, let's go Brandon, uh, on it. And he was fine. The uh, license bureau gave it to him until somebody, some Karen complained and was offended by it. The city or state of Alabama revoked it. He challenged it. And with a whole lot of pressure nationally from people like CFFS members besieging uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Alabama uh, license, uh, uh, license Bureau, um, and they relented. And they said, okay, you can have it. They sent, him, sent it back to him and said, you're good, and they even issued him an apology. That's a win. Here in the state of Ohio, Patrick, a professor at Shawnee State University uh, was calling one of his male students – a male, he referring to him as sir and he and so forth. This student demanded to be called something that he wasn't, and the professor said, no, I'm not going to do it. They fired. Actually, I don't know if it was a suspension or a firing, but the professor sued the university for, for unlawful termination or unlawful discipline and won a $400,000 settlement from that school because he has free speech, and he doesn't have to be compelled to say things he doesn't believe in. And now, most recently, as we're talking about with the masks, we've been fighting it for over a year, about a year and a half now. And finally, we get a judge who is listening to the pressure and, quite frankly, listening to the law. And the law says the CDC can't do this. And science says the CDC shouldn't be doing this. So, Patrick, we get on here every week on Stand and Deliver. We talk about this problem, that attack, this, that, and the other. People need to know that activism works, and we're seeing victories start to pile Absol- up. Absolutely. These things would not be happening were it not for somebody standing up <clears throat> and taking action, standing and delivering. That lawsuit, by the way, that, uh, that we mentioned in Florida, <clears throat> that lawsuit was, was funded and orchestrated by a friend of CFFS, not a local activist necessarily, but a, a lady that runs an organization. It's called the Health Freedom Defense Council. Uh, uh, I want to say council. I'm not really sure. Leslie Manukian is her name. She launched this. She got a legal team together. They're the ones that prosecuted this. It was just one person taking action. And when they heard the news that this uh, this judge had, had completely given them everything that they asked for, they were doing somersaults, I can tell. Absolutely. And they're probably not the age where they should be doing somersaults, but they were cartwheels. It was so exciting. This is a message that ought to encourage everybody. And, and, you know, you never know when you're going to be in the right place at the right time when you can stand and deliver. Yeah. You cannot program standing and delivering. It just happens when it happens. And you need to be ready for it to seize the moment. But you can can look for it. You can look for it. Right. I mean, yes, you know, what I mean? you have to be ready. You absolutely. have to be ready when it happens. Right. But well, yes. for example, that's that's why on the on the uh, on the Web page, citizens for the advocacy center that we have there, Patrick, that's so people can look for it. We bring the information to them based on whatever state anybody yes. is in. Yes. Tell them what legislation is going on, why it's good, why it's bad and what members of their uh, their legislature that they have to contact to make these things happen in defense of free speech. So, you know, sometimes they'll just happen to you. Sometimes you've got to look for it and then go yes. make it happen. Yes, we've looked for one that we dealt with, uh, by the <clears> way, uh, I think about six weeks ago, five, six weeks ago. We had an action uh, campaign put out. The title of it was Say No to the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, mm-hmm. which is S.673. It's on our action website, uh, and you can go there, go to citizensforfreespeech.org and branch off from there to get to our advocacy website. You can send a message to your senator 
to tell them, no, not going to do this. This act is misnamed for one, surprise, surprise. But the point of S.673 is to give immunity to the six companies that we just mentioned, the six conglomerate that control 90% of everything. This bill seeks to give immunity from antitrust laws to these big media companies so that they can go after Twitter and Facebook and YouTube for revenue. They're, they're mad because, you know, social media is beating the pants off of them. They want their share of the pie. S.673 is going to give immunity from all antitrust laws for a number of years, which means that they can gang together in a stronger cartel. But you know what? I mean, maybe they're going to go after the Facebooks of the world. That's fine. But do you poss- does anybody possibly think that they would not take that cartel? and turn the guns of Navarone, so to speak, onto alternative media to completely squash them? Oh, this is a dangerous bill. It's still in committee, but we need a holler at the top of our lungs. Don't let it get out of committee. Kill it right where it is. And, and so we we're going to resuscitate the names of the, We include the names of the committee members, right? Yes. On, 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 that, on, that, on the advocacy center, on the Absolutely. website. Absolutely. See, that's so what we're is, trying to do to make to make activists out of, you know, you may just hear something like this and say, boy, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, how about you say, boy, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm going to yeah. the website. I'm going to look at the list. I'm going to contact my senator or my representative, whoever is on that committee, and I'm going to make sure that, that, that we let them know that we demand that this be stopped. That's exactly right. And this is a perfect time to end, by the way. We can't, we can't say anything better then it's time for you to take action and to stand and deliver in a small way on this. The the legislators are automatically filled in. When you identify yourself, you put in your, your address, zip code, and so on, it will automatically bring up your legislators to send the email to. You can even change the email a little bit if you want to and, you know, say something extra to them. Be nice. Uh, but, you know, if you got to say something different or pointed, fine. But uh, this is a great way to contact, an easy way to contact your legislators and send them a message. We don't need a big media cartel. Give me a break. What are these people thinking? This is supposedly a bipartisan bill. It stinks from the from the top down. So sound off all and say need, no. All we need is what the founders gave us, and that is our rights to free speech, free expression, free press. We'll take care of the rest. Exactly. That's a wrap on episode number 12 of Stand and Deliver. Thanks so much for watching. Please join us at CFFS, or excuse me, citizensforfreespeech.org. My name is Bob France. I'm Pat Wood. It's been great to be with you today. We'll see you next week. Uh-oh. <laughs>